Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn and we've got a full squad in the hotel at the moment. Here's Matt Leach. Hello. We should explain that why we're in a hotel. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> oh, Let's sorry. let everybody say hello Just first. Just checking. And we've also got Josie Young from Christopher Doyle & Co. Hello, Josie. Hi. Josie's helped out before in our, I think, our last episode yeah, that we, it was. That we yeah. published. Thanks um, for having me back. No complaints on Twitter. So That's she's, good. she's back again. <laughs> And our guest who Matt is going to introduce in a moment is Chris from Over the Ditch. Hello, Chris. Hello. Thanks for having me in your hotel room. <laughs> you look extremely comfortable at the moment. I'm You've just, kicked off just... your flip-flops already. They're not flip-flops, mate. They're jandals. <laughs> I don't want to get into this again. <laughs> just for visuals, Chris is sitting in like a beautiful big purple chair and it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's regal. It is. It yeah. is. Apparently it's like Graham Norton's chair, but I only... I don't know the reference. We need we need some sort of like slime, like a, like a Persian cat or Ooh. something, right? To, yeah, just yeah. to offset the purple. Did you ever watch Inspector Gadget? Yes, with claw. Yes, yeah. that yep. cat there. It's just like a claw and a yep. computer screen and a cat. <laughs> Always thought that humanized humanized him a lot because how much he loved that cat. He did. Did he, he, he love did like the cat? The he always, yeah, to he was always stroking it. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought he knocked it off when he got angry. Well, well thinking, he did that too. He got angry, and yeah. then that was a yeah. <sighs> clearly, of, clearly anger issues. Mm. Well, he is, he is an evil <laughs> sort of mastermind mm. with a spiked bracelet. Yeah, must be hard to type. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of type, who's oh! our guest? Oh, oh! you went there. Sharp. I like it. Mr. Chris Sowsby, founder of Klim Type Foundry, based out of Wellington, New Zealand. Now, I'm not going to go into much detail because I actually want to dig into your past a little bit. And I want to go back to when you chose design over art because I've read that you had a, a teacher, an art teacher, who said to you, look, there's probably not much money in art. You should probably go with design, which is almost exactly the same as what I had. An art teacher say to me, and I've always wondered why, or rather, what would have happened if they'd said the opposite thing. Um, There's a question in there. Somewhere. There is a question. Yeah, that <laughs> just sounded like a sort of a segue into a statement. Uh, yeah, it is true. Like I went to uh, high school, like everyone else, and did the art and design classes. But we we're talking earlier about the TDC high school thing, and you had a studio or a stadium full of. Of young people and how much I would have really liked to have seen that the sort of professional designers talking about design because we were taught the design process and we were taught sort of basic art history and techniques and things and I enjoyed both of them but I particularly liked the design process like sort of the basic high school version you had a problem and you had to come up with some concepts and pick one and work it through to a final solution and explain your thinking the whole way through and I really liked that but to get back to what the original kind of question was my art teacher who was a designer as well he said more or less you know you're gonna have to choose art or design for tertiary education and there's more money in design and you can always do art in your spare time which is extraordinary dismissive of artists and yeah. art but just, I think, just just a hobby yeah it's just a hobby crayons <laughs> painting and stuff my kid could have done that um, <laughs> but i think what he was trying to say was that design is it's, more, it's nine to five and you've probably got a better chance of having a more stable income. It's not going to be as unpredictable as being an artist. And that's, that's why I chose it. It was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, more money, yeah. And that was it. That was the decision made. So Chris the artist, what, what, what does he look like? 
oh, like a wankier version of this. <laughs> I don't think we could have got you a more poor purple chair. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I have no... I mean, we all kind of fancy ourselves as having good ideas for making art, I think. But whether you could... Whether I could do it properly, I have no idea. It's just... It's been almost 20 years in the game now. Shit. <laughs> and it's, it's hard to imagine what, what would happen or mm. what I would have done. You head off to design school and at some point you start to kind of, I guess, be attracted to type. And I read in iMagazine that you, that you actually, there was a point where you decided to copy out a typeface, Bembo, I think it was. Yeah. Is that where the real love came from? Well, memory is a selective thing. And it's <laughs> in hindsight. Well, yeah. I mean, all memories are recreated when you recall them. I don't know if that was the exact moment, but it was, it was a moment where I realized that typefaces were designed I suppose like and they had a very specific character and they had very specific details that I hadn't I don't know it's I think it's like a something clicked and I realized that yeah this I'm really into this I could really like I really enjoy drawing letter forms and I was really into typography and all the type classes as opposed to sort of all the other ones we were doing photography and illustration and layout and things I don't. I don't think. I don't know of any schools that get you to hand draw type. Oh no, it wasn't. It, I was doing it. You were just doing it out of love. Yeah, yeah. It was probably some project or something I was just doing. You know how you have sketchbooks and as a student, or maybe still now, and you kind of obsessively fill them in and draw. Like I was pretty, pretty much like that. Oh, and we had to hand our process books in too, as part of an assignment. Oh, it's all coming flooding back now. <laughs> <laughs> and did you, so you never had that feeling, you, know, you never had that kind of click, as you sort of said, with design in general? Well, yeah, with design in general, but this was, it's like a very specific subset. It right. was design, yes, I like this. Typography, yeah, I like this. Typeface design, yeah, I really like this. Yeah. It was sort of, I don't know, it's just, it's basically, I mean, typeface design is essentially just copying in your own hand to a degree and I did a lot of that as a young fella drawing comic books and sort of sci-fi characters and things and it was it's it, there's a lot of parallels there I think like you can just redraw old stuff and it'll automatically sort of become yours and your typeface if that makes sense mm. so if you do it enough over and over eventually it becomes your own your own kind of style your own kind of personality your own kind of yeah well there's influence. no there's no way of of taking yourself out of it. Everything that you make now is always going to be of the time. There's no way that you can make it exactly of the past. So it, this is sort of a really loose segue into it, into how I'm thinking at the moment. But there's, I read this thing about art forgery and art forgers got really good. Like they would make, they'd get the materials, they'd get old canvases, they'd scrape the paint off and they got really good at imitating old masters. And to the point where things started circulating within the highbrow scholarly art world as being a legitimate work, even though it was a fake, which amazes me. The only way they could tell it was a fake was sort of a few decades down the track where they realised that that a certain detail or a, the way the light fell or something that the forger had done was of that time and it could not have been of 100 or 200 years before because it wouldn't... And what I'm trying to say here is no matter how hard you try and fake it, it's always going to be rooted in this time. Mm. Mm. And so if we were all to draw a Futura, for instance, like if all to draw our versions of it, it would be each one would be our own. 
and it would be a legitimate version and it would be of this time. Does that make sense? It, and what it does, yeah. and I, I think I've read a little bit about that in the sense that it's that kind of only through hindsight can we see that something is a forgery or fake Yeah, because it has brought in the, inf- the current influences, but we can't tell now. Yeah. Mm. You kind of, yeah, when you look around at sort of design trends and the latest work coming out and all the rest of it, it's really hard to ascertain exactly what makes it contemporary. And it's sort of it's not really till it's down the track or until it becomes kind of falls out of fashion and then comes back in again. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that from the 90s. Yeah. But it's sort of come back in another way. I don't know. It's really, it's impossible to see the wood for the trees at the time. You need some distance, I think. Mm. Mm. I guess what I find really interesting about you is you're predominantly self-taught. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm interested in, in how that happened and or how you taught yourself because it seemed like you were incredibly motivated to learn a lot of stuff really quickly. Well, it didn't happen quickly. It was... So I graduated in, I suppose, 2003. In those last year or so of design school, I was teaching myself the software and trying to learn how to design typefaces. We had a typeface design class, but it was pretty basic. And so it was kind of scratching around on the internet and trying to find books and copying and trying to learn the software and learn how to build a typeface. And then Fijoa was the first one released. was 2006, I suppose. And it's a bit wonky, it's a bit wobbly, but it was still... Ah, oh, it's a fairly decent effort. But that's still, you know what? It's only three years later. Didn't you also release uh, your second typeface in the same year? No, it was about a year later. Oh, was it? <laughs> I don't know. This is when people <laughs> ask this stuff, I usually go onto the website and go, oh, what year did I do this? But... <laughs> No, but things are always in development at the same time. So that, so at the moment, any typeface designer, I suppose, has about at least 20, I say, projects or possibilities of typefaces at any one time. And so when Fijoa was released, there was, I don't know, several in development and several get, things get abandoned. So it's more about what you're, how you're feeling on that day. You like to do a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Like, it's it's really hard to know at what point it snaps into focus and seems like it should be finished. I love the idea of just waking up in the morning going, <laughs> serifs. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. It's a deep intake of breath <laughs> through the nostrils. <laughs> mm, today is a sand serif day. <laughs> no, it's... it's um, I don't actually know. I've never really thought about exactly how I'd decide... That sounds super flaky. This is, yeah. So I've basically become an artist. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you tried to avoid at the beginning. Yeah. Here we are. Mm. Well, there's, um, well, custom projects have deadlines and milestones and things, and that's pretty straightforward. But But so, so, so your normal day, so let's go back to you are waking up and then, because you work from home, yeah? Yeah. So rolling into the office around. Nine-ish. Literally rolling into the office just has a desk next to his bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't even get out of bed. It's <laughs> kerning in the scratcher, <laughs> as they say. No. <laughs> uh, well, now it's different because we have a daughter. And so it would be I wake up when she wakes up. I go in and look after her until sort of lunchtime. This is what we're trying to do. And then Jess will take over. But before that, it was wake up, coffee and work. But at that stage, work is kind of basically emails. 
a lot of emailing, a lot of support, a lot of balancing of projects. Because Climate now is, the website's a big beast. It got large and it's complicated and it does lots of things. And so that's like the ongoing development of that is, is a thing in itself. There's the marketing and the strategy for the new releases. There's the development of stuff in progress. So, yeah. I've kind of become a manager, I suppose. Well, that, that that leads me to like a whole whole thing about you're running this business and dealing with mm. licensing and, and and running a business. You got a you got a website up. You're dealing with. I went to I went to your website to have a bit of a poke around the whole <laughs> section like FAQs. It's like how refunds work, how yeah. this works, how this works, and I'm like, you're dealing with that so much. You've written an FAQ about like how many questions you get about this. Well, yes, part of the reason the website is like it is with all that support stuff is a few years ago my wife joined jess and Mm. she's amongst other things got a marketing and communications background and she's like okay well she could you know we decided that she would join for a while in between things and she started scratching around and she's like okay so what are you doing about this and i'm like (laughs) Uh, i don't know she goes okay how often do you send emails out do you like your you know 10,000 odd customers. I'm like, oh, I don't really send emails. And she's like, and she's just like, looks at me like, what are, you, what are you doing, you idiot? We kind of finally had a strategy and had it, ended up taking things seriously. Because it, basically it was at the point where I would finish a font, get it mastered, put it on the website, tweet about it and move on. And that was like it. There was nothing around it. Mm. But now it's way different. We're working with Alt in Auckland and we've got so that's uh, Dean, Dean Poole and yes yeah, and co yeah, yeah and co and so each typeface release is considered a campaign and we try to well, that's what all the untitled stuff is uh-huh. so it's all we try to frame right. it in a way that's um, conceptually and aesthetically cohesive and we're essentially trying not to do what every other founder is doing which treats seems to treat graphic designers like they're stupid and it's always the same thing. It's always like, here's a font, looks good, big and small. Here's the specimen. <laughs> here's the alternates and the small caps, which you'll never use, but we'll show anyway. And like it's, it's basically the same message and the same imagery and the same everything over and over again. What I, I took the approach with Alt in the same way that I like to be treated as, in, as a designer is I, I trusted them. I was like, okay, here's, here's the stuff. I trust you to figure something out. And it's been taken a few, not taken a year or so, but now they're up to speed. But yeah, they have really good ideas, and they're effectively designing for themselves. They're trying to, because they're the, the designers, more or less, are the, are the customers. Mm. Yeah, the it's ones kind of your market, right? Like yeah. these top, you know, top tier kind of designers from around. No, the not world. top tier. Just all designers in the market. So, yeah. and we're taking quite an oblique approach uh, for a lot of things, which is good. Mm. I think it's making it, it keeps it interesting for me. It's not just doing like specimen in a tweet as I use blah blah blah, you know, new font. Yeah, so you sort of mentioned the foundries before. I've, yeah. I've, I've often wondered, you, cause you, yeah, you're running your own, you're running your own business. You're sort of like, oh, this is what they do, they're a bit shit. Um, like surely over the years, so you know, people have reached out and sort of thought, well, why don't you join this with Typekit or why don't you bring this into this foundry and everything? What, what drives you to continue running your business as you do yourself? Is it having the full control? Is it the lifestyle? What, what is <laughs> the it? lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> you seem pretty relaxed. Well, 
got a few beers under the belt at the moment. That's a typical <laughs> ADR tactic. ADR, yeah. A few bros. Turn the mics on. Um, no, I... I've had offers from all the resellers, MyFonts, Google, Typekit, all, and it's just every time I look at them, if we back up a little bit, the first fonts I ever sold were through Village, which were in based in uh, Brooklyn and New York, and that's run by Chester and Tracy Jenkins. And they have been enormously supportive and helpful to me over the years. And they took and Chester took a punt on me when I was just a young fella, you know, and helped me with Fijoa and got it up to speed. And he invested time and energy into me, basically. He gave aesthetic support and technical support and moral support. And we've become good friends over the years. And that's not what you get what I can tell that you get from any of the other sort of resellers. So basically there's foundries and resellers. Foundries are people who make fonts and resellers are people that sell fonts. Right. And some of them are sort of both. So I keep most of my stuff with Village and that's good. But I don't want to, I just don't want to join them. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's, I look at them and I think all this time and effort that I've spent making these typefaces and coming up with a strategy and paying pretty decent money for a website and marketing campaigns it's just sort of just going to be lumped in with the other yeah. shit and it's not going to, mm. it's not, especially like my fonts is a good platform if you're starting out and you just want to chuck stuff up there and, you know, start earning a bit of money from it. But for them, it's it's a volume game. They don't care. Mm, right. They're not really interested in me as a person or mm. the typefaces that I'm making. It's, 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 in, it's almost inconsequential to them. But just to play devil's advocate, isn't, would, wouldn't they just make your life easier in, in the sense like Flynn said, like, you know, not having to do the refunds and not having to... Um, possibly, but it's not, that's not a huge part of it. Mm, like, yeah. that's, like, the support aspect's not big. It, it takes up a bit of time, but no more than you would servicing any other client, I suppose. Gets you closer to your Yeah, customers. and we know what the problems are and it helps us to try and fix them, but it's... I don't know, like you don't have to be, not everybody has to be on Spotify. Not all musicians have to be on there, you know. Mm. You can, it's quite nice sometimes when you find something. Like it's a flood of stuff. Like when you go onto Spotify, you're just sort of overwhelming and you go, fuck, I just want to listen to Pantera. Like you go to your safe <laughs> space, you know. You kind of, and it's, because there's so much stuff and it takes so much energy and sometimes it's nice to just go to a site somewhere you know when you go to a little shop down the road that you're discovering oh this is pretty cool it's you know it's seems independent and they've got stuff that's not elsewhere it's it's stubbornness and it's because i like to have control but it's also a perception thing but don't take this the wrong way but you don't find gucci in walmart you know no, and, and I'm not comparing yeah. myself to Gucci. And I'm not comparing. <laughs> I think you're, just, I think you're, just you're absorbing that Clem is chair, the Gucci man. of the I time boundaries. <laughs> Far be it from me to compare myself to the one and only risen Lord Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> <laughs> but here are seven reasons how I'm uh, 100% exactly. No, but I mean, like, like, if you sell in a big shop, you become beholden to their marketing yeah right. like they how the and I how I see them messaging and how they sell other foundries. I'm like, fuck, that's not how I do it. That's not how I see them. That seems, uh, it just seems, mm. I mean, they have to do what they've got to, they've got to do what they've got to do, but there's no, it, it becomes homogenous, I suppose. It's a different business mm. model. And it's like, are yeah. you willing to sacrifice the integrity of what you do and what your work is about 
for that business model that they run. And we don't need it. Like the other thing I noticed like at a base level is when I was working as a graphic designer and I wanted to buy a font and you'd Google meta, meta font, for example, and then you get six different sites with six different prices and then you've got six tabs open and you're nickel and diming across currencies. You're like, well, which one's going to be this? And then it's all confusing. Whereas if you just kind of type in, I don't know, national font, it just it's my site and there's mm. village as well, but and everything else is like it. It was a deliberate strategy to target the traffic and it works mm. because it can't, the traffic and the searches can't be scattershot, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I, re- I really love on your site as well how you you have a section called In Use. Oh, yeah, that's just mm. pretty recent. It's always been, oh, you talk. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's your podcast. <laughs> no, you felt like that was going to go somewhere. No, no, just I just really love how that. Um, I guess, I guess, I guess, if there is a question attached to that, how how do you get those imagery, that imagery, and and do you ever get stuff and you're like, oh god, like that, I, sh- I wish I hadn't done that. Well, firstly, that section has only been up about a month now, and I haven't publicised it yet because. Uh, <laughs> lazy <laughs> but it was quite a lot of time and effort to get that up and running you just publicized it by the way <laughs> yeah oh so for the 20 people listening to this podcast <laughs> Clim. 22 no. thank 22 you much. <laughs> we worked hard for those two people no it's good for me like a typeface when it's on the my site when we're marketing it it's on a specimen it's on the retail pages it doesn't really exist until it's been used for something mm. it's and I have a very deliberate way of presenting them that's pretty as basic as I could possibly manage. So I don't, I'll never say this is domain, it's really good for wine labels, yeah. or this is national, it looks great for online accounting software. <laughs> like I never promote it as or frame it as being useful for a specific thing because then all you ever think is, domains for wine labels because you're busy you know so that's the message you think and it's associated so i always present them as normally as possible as straightforward as possible because i trust that designers can look at and go i can use it for this and so the foil to that is like the sort of non-use is the things that are in use and what people do with it is just kind of amazing Mm. it's like most of our sales 90 percent of our sales are outside of new zealand and so it's kind of amazing when someone in norway uses it for their national park and they're using sort of making these signs that are going to be snowed on. Like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, this is... <laughs> like, these things get absorbed into studios, into the culture, into the work. And some people spend more time looking at my fonts than I've ever looked at them, which is kind of terrifying. Like, zero, like online accounting software is zero, and they've got, like, blue and national as part of their brand. And like, they've got designers working there for years and years, and that's, that's it. And I didn't really spend that long looking at it. It's kind of amazing, <laughs> and it's quite humbling, you know, that it becomes yeah. part of the thing and so to find the work it's just people tell me like you know his founders or it's be on instagram and i get tagged and i ask if we can put it up and it's gotten to the point or just go to doyle's site and steal it off there <laughs> yeah it's quite good we <laughs> do use your typefaces a lot yeah thank you appreciate what, it what thank you, you for making on? them what do we use them on yeah. oh founders grotesque is the one we use the most and i do have a bone to pick with you about that later oh yeah good oh, you know comes. the bone that I'm going to pick, I think. No, not really. Well, I have an idea. 
but yeah, I want you to do. say it. You can we'll say We'll talk it. about that later. We'll talk about it. Uh, what have we used it on? We used it on Specialty. It's a printing company based in Sydney. Sedona Production Company. Jamie Bowering. Jamie Bowering. Natasha uh, Cantwell. Cantwell. Yeah, Natasha Cantwell. Yeah, heaps. Yeah. I want to hear about what? this bone. What's the bone that you want to pick? Do you want me to bring it up now? Do it. Bring it up. Okay, okay. So Founders Grotesque is a typeface we use a lot. Obviously, as creatives, there's, there's, we've got to kind of draw a line. There's got to be an end point somewhere in the work that we do. Um, and type, that's, I don't know what, where you kind of decipher what that end point is with type. But with type, is there an end point where you're like, okay, this typeface is done. It's finished. That's it. If no, if Founders Grotesque has any work to be done, is there, <laughs> is there a case? I feel like a, a cage is slowly closing on you. Is there a case for founders with found? What did I? How did I pose it before? Foundies with roundies, round yeah. eye dots. Rounders grotesque. Rounders grotesque. Um, first question: Is it finished? As a common question, I think in the type world, and it's just finished when it's finished. I think you know you can't add or subtract any more to it. There's a certain point in the development process, and they used to get me quite a lot. As I'd start out with a very specific idea, and I was like, I have to fucking get this. I have to make this typeface do this certain thing yep and it would be a struggle and sometimes it wouldn't and sometimes and eventually i kind of learned that you can start like that but you have to be quite it's like when you have an idea or a concept and you it's a fragile state where it's in and it needs a bit of time and it needs to be refined at a certain point it'll just suggest itself it'll say okay i want i I want to be this thing Mm. and you have to kind of go with it like it starts driving itself in a way yeah you kind of get it to a point and then because a typeface is essentially a system of related parts you can't fight it anymore and you kind of Mm. go okay so this is what you want to be and you kind of just have to let it kind of develop towards that and i think most of my dead ends are ones that i've had a, a specific idea and i've tried it and it hasn't worked but maybe it just needs a bit of time and it needs kind of develop yeah. to what it needs to be it's it's a, it's a hard thing to kind of articulate properly <laughs> yeah but round dots maybe it's <laughs> Ooh, don't get me wrong we obviously love it the way it is we'll, because we've used it multiple times we'll try and get the 22 people who listen to the podcast <laughs> yeah we'll start a petition change.org <laughs> <laughs> yeah. change.org yes. put round dots on yeah. I mean it could do it we will share it on my Facebook page everyone I went to high school with will be all over that change.org petition. yes yeah, please for sure. They use Calibre too, which is quite funny. So, yeah, I know I did do a mock-up on I sent it through to Chris. Did, oh, he didn't show me that. <laughs> oh, he showed the other guy in the studio. <laughs> oh, no, politics. Well, maybe he did. Maybe I've... It was so awful that you was forgot about it. a while ago? It. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. You didn't okay. like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask to see it again. Oh. Uh, it's sort of, I don't know, like, I could do it, but it's, uh, it doesn't... It doesn't doesn't really feel right it's not how it I was i trust you yeah <laughs> i don't know it's just found it's basically it is what it is it's yeah. what you spe- it's founders with a round dot yeah and it kind of just i don't know what it is with graphic designers wanting to put round dots on sans serifs <laughs> it automatically makes it sort of friendly i suppose or what is it why do you want to put a round dot on it um i think it's the friendly thing and i think a lot of brand work that we do is for brands in particular that do need to feel friendly. And I think sometimes that typeface decision for us comes down to, does it feel friendly? And 
if we're down to like the line between like two typefaces <laughs> and one of them has square <laughs> dots and one has round, the round one might win um, because it just feels maybe a bit friendlier. Oh. But <laughs> the pressure, I mean, I'm putting on. you under pressure right now, but No, yeah. that's good. Like, yeah. I, I know, I know that's <laughs> like a lot of these things, a lot of typeface decisions can be within a studio like a single character can just kill a typeface dead yeah You're like yeah yeah this is great the f it's oh so God. true <laughs> yeah but uppercase it, m's always do it for me oh yeah yeah it's a make or break always yeah what is what if it touches the ground or not if it touches the ground in yes. the middle yes if it doesn't out yeah so it's just a personal thing it's just dead hovering to or something do it dead to me i don't gotham, know what it is gotham dead to you gotham dead to me fuck yeah yeah gotham i don't know what it is it's just it's got round dots anyway though. no yeah. it doesn't does the gotham have round dots uh yes yeah, i'm pretty sure it does oh I just, let's I'm put just... this to the studio audience hey, yeah i've just go. said yes i'm um. so confident in that <laughs> cool 1-800 adr <laughs> numbers are off the chart <laughs> um I guess it's an interesting thing, like talking about typefaces in branding. So like we do, we spend so much time in the studio when we're working on a branding project, figuring out what that typeface is that lives with the brand we're working on. You do a lot of custom work for brands, for typefaces. Most recently you've done a lot of, uh, you've developed a custom typeface for National Geographic. Mm. You also develop PayPal Sans. Mm. When you're developing those typefaces, do you kind of work in the mind frame of that you're developing a typeface or do you ever kind of cross over into the territory of brand design? Like, do you ever feel like you're doing brand design in designing typeface for brand where that typeface is specifically going to be used as the brand? Far out. <laughs> um, no, no, I don't. Mm. I don't think I do. When I'm doing that sort of stuff, when I'm doing custom typefaces, especially for National Geographic, I effectively just see myself as a skilled pair of hands and I try to articulate what it is that they want within letter forms because they, a lot of those brands, it's yeah it's always internal agencies they always know not internal agencies it's the client themselves mm. they know what they want and they know what doesn't work and so it's a fairly standard process of kind of a general overview what are you looking for functionality does it have to work big small what are the sort of the boring technical requirements but it's mostly kind of aesthetics and it's what typefaces have you used that haven't worked and why haven't they worked Here's a band. We all, I generally always try to start from uh, the old type specimens as sort of the ones that they're always using are obviously digital versions now, but they all have their roots that go back 100, 200 years, mm. maybe more. And so you can go back to those ones and say, what of these qualities do you like and what you know do you think would work for you? And then basically just synthesize what it is they want, what it is they think will work into, into letter forms. Mm. But from a branding point of view, like I don't, I would never, I don't think I'm, if your question was that, I don't think I'm branding the typeface. Yep. I guess on the kind of type in brand and type as brand, when your typefaces are specifically being used as like the logo or logo type, yeah. is that different to you? That's no, a whole it, other can of worms. It's a whole other can worms. of worms. Like, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's generally quite custom. Not many yeah. people just type out 
in the font and then say in yeah. Calibre and say that's the logo. That's how I've always yeah. done all my branding work. <laughs> <laughs> just type, type it out. Yeah, and just straight to, straight to invoice from there. It's, you'd be amazed at how quickly you can pump out logos when you just type it out. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I have... <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> for, uh, no, no, like that'd be ideal for me. If I could do that, just sort of... You go into Font Explorer or Font Book and just type it out and then screen cap and go, which one do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Job done. But no, years ago I put on my on my blog as an April 1st thing, it was the Klim. It was basically a fake plugin for Illustrator that would round the corners off letters. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> and wow. it was like the Klim logo font logo font rounder or something i can't remember how i said it and i made up screen grabs of the ui like an illustrator and we'd hand optimized all the hinting and stuff so you could use any klim font and you could round off whatever corner you want and it was all perfect That's and mint. Awesome. obviously bullshit but i got quite and i said it to a fake email address that i didn't monitor i just made one up like if you wanted to beta <laughs> test it loads of people emailed they thought it was awesome thought it was a great idea and i was like Fuck, maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a thing but nah that's mm. not what you do is it no we sort of kind of pejoratively call that getting the toenail clippers out you just snip a corner oh, yeah. off yeah. Yeah. yeah you see it everywhere like the lj hooker logo down the road just got some font and rounded some corners off yeah dynamic yeah <laughs> so that leads me to a little bit of a question about that as we're talking about this talking about all, like seeing all these fonts in the wild and these are clearly best case scenario right yeah. You've seen people butcher your fonts like that, like cut little cut the feet off and drop that cap in the wrong way. Eventbrite have done it with carbon, I think. It's oh, hard yeah? to know. Yeah. It looks like it was once carbon, but I don't know. <laughs> but I used to sort of be quite pedantic about type in the environment. I could always go around like and sort of notice it and feel very critical about it. But now I'm, I'm not fussed about it because people make work for all sorts of reasons and under all sorts of conditions you know yeah like, yeah, yeah. We're, like nothing happens in a ideal circumstances and it's really hard to make graphic design and under any sort of real circumstance i think and so when i see stuff i'm just kind of stoked that it's used mm. even if it's something that doesn't i don't think looks good or whatever that's my taste is very specific and i don't try and project that over things that i think are good or bad when I see it, I'm just sort of appreciate that it was used, and it's, it ends up in some funny places, eh? Like on, the, <laughs> like on the spew bags on Air New Zealand, because they use oh, Nuzo. No way, that's amazing. And it's just like made it, you know. That is, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. incredible. Do you have one? You have one at home or something? Oh, I should do. You though. should take one home for sure. Yeah, frame it. That'd yeah. be good. It's on carbons on the banknotes in New Zealand, which wow, that's me. pretty. Wow. That's pretty great. Do, yeah. So, do they contact you about this at any point? Does no. some designer buy the font? Someone would have. Someone bought it, licensed it, and I yeah, get, uh, printed I, notes with it. Ugly yeah, notes. Yeah. It was designed in Canada. Money, basically. When you go to the bank, you're just kind of like, can I just have some of this back? That's my font. Yeah, that's that. we've got a deal. <laughs> yeah. With Westpac. You get free yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> free money, Free please. font money. Yeah, um, no, it doesn't work like I that. I guess, what's your biggest... Have you had like a moment where you've seen your font on something and gone, oh my God, that's... Like a big heart flutter, starstruck kind of. Like girls, girls, girls. Kind of. Yeah. Those are two very different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, like nah. Yeah. I don't know where um, you're going with that. No, 
like a big fangirl or fanboy kind of. Oh, sorry. Moment. Yeah, no, I was oh, totally going fan. for like, if you're walking down the street, yeah, I was way off. Yeah, just ignore me for the moment. Please listen okay. to Josie. <laughs> there is a big sign down the road that says uh, NSFW, like it's a club and that's in metric. That's quite funny. Oh. oh. Which I thought was hilarious. I walked past and go, this is a funny sign. Oh, it's my font. Something a fanboyed had. Oh, yeah. The band, The National. Oh, used yeah. National, no. Used National for High Violence. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> and the way that they rolled out that album is like, was it Pentagram? That did no, it? no, you're no. thinking of the new one. That's not it. Okay. You know the one, the little house, the one, the house on it. Oh yeah. No, that's Pentagram. The one before that, High Violet with the scribbles on the front. Oh. Which is one of the band members' artworks, not scribbles. Yep. Like one of the band members, an artist, and it was yeah. Like I thought that was quite meta yep. and complete because National used for the National. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty, f- I suppose, fanboy like. Uh, how how do you go about policing though? Is oh, we have a dedicated unit. No. <laughs> you have a police officer. <laughs> uh, usually, it's uh, if I see it, and it's something that's really kind of big or corporate. I'll see where they got a license and send an email. And most people, but most of the time, people are quite good about it because it's we're business to business. Like we're not selling, mm-hmm. we're not a consumer commodity like music or. Uh, movies or video games or anything the pirating it happens but I mean if you're going to pirate a font you can't afford to buy it and it's I'm I'm not going to be I don't want to go down that path you know and we have test fonts for for students and things but I have had some interesting scenarios with an Australian large Australian company who had not paid for calibre I think I'll tell you it is afterwards. And it was cool. like this. We'll got tweet this, about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah get put, Doyle put to tweet about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, most people were like, oh, I'm sorry. And then they, whatever. But I have seen custom fonts that I've done in some quite surprising places because one's for, one, for clients that should, that should only be used for them and then used for sort of, I saw one for BNZ that we'd done as a bank, Serrano, and I saw it on a like a hipster barber sign on the footpath. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> how did it get here? How did, wow, how did it get here, and why are you using it? And I, yeah, it was quite fun. I didn't do anything about it. I just thought it was quite humorous. But I mean, supply when they, you know, you send fonts to printers and sign companies, and then I guess it just stays on their computer and they use it. Mm-hmm. Once fonts are out, they're out. You can't get them back in. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, at uni, I remember get being our lecturer gave us a USB to share around the classroom full of fonts. And I was like, oh, this is how this works. And then, like, I just, I, yeah. they didn't teach us about font licensing. Nah. And I just I feel like that's the biggest flaw ever. <laughs> Sorry if my uni lecturers are listening. I love you. And, like, you taught me many great things. But I went into the industry thinking, Oh, like you can just like share fonts around amongst yeah. yourselves and you can't. Mm. Yeah. Well, you can, but it's... <laughs> but you can't use them commercially without paying yeah. for them. Yeah. Which I think was something that, that I didn't know until I was in an agency working. Yeah. Same with us. And we got, uh, yeah, CDs back then when computer, you put a CD <laughs> in a computer. Or you got that burned full of uh, emigre. Yes. House, Adobe font folio and some I, other stuff. I had a zip disk, like the original oh, jazz, jazz drive. Fuck, they're rubbish, aren't yeah. they? 
100 megabytes yeah. and they failed. If, no, that, that, that was the jazz disc, I think. That was the that was the big one. I couldn't afford that. I just had the one that were like 30 megs on it or something. 30 megs. We had yeah. to buy them as students. Yeah. And they had the drives. Oh, God, they were awful. <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's the name come from? Mm, what, now? Clem. Clem, yeah. Oh, you want the big reveal? Yeah. You really want to know? Yeah. It's milk spelt backwards. Okay, this is amazing. I've got your financier, <laughs> shit, financier serif, one of the posters up in my house. Yeah. Oh. And it's the it's the <laughs> it's one, I can't remember what it says right now, but it's the one that ends in milk, obviously, because it's clean backwards, but it's the words backwards. And my dad one day was in my house staring at it, just like, I don't get it. He was just trying to figure out what it said the whole time. He's like, has this got something to do with spilt milk? And I was like, oh, no, it's it's like a type foundry. It's a I, I mean, you know, explaining fonts and graphic design to your parents. It's an impossible situation. But I was like, I wonder if that's where the name came from. And there you go. It is. And that's where they... And why milk? Uh, well, that finance, those financier posters are based on the Klim milk thing because New Zealand is supposedly the land of milk and honey. And that's where those all those phrases came from. But... Well, you, tried, you tried to do honey backwards, but it wasn't as catchy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was... Um, when I was a student, um, did you ever get the book? I can't remember Alan Fletcher, I think, and it was the Art of Looking Sideways. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, everybody knows it's good. Uh, so there's a spread in that, which has uh, Z A U M on it. I think it's red on white or right on white on red, and it was effectively. Again, this is memory, but at the time I was really impressed by that because apparently the Russian futurist poets maybe were really into just inventing words and for them how the word looked and how the word sounded was what the word meant and I was and I was quite into, I suppose, wordplay and language and letter forms and that really kind of resonated, I suppose, and I got I just started inventing words like by reversing other ones and I reversed milk and it was Klim. It's a four-letter word that begins with K, like Chris. And I was like, oh, and it kind of looks good and it sounds vaguely European. And at that stage in New Zealand in the early 2000s, a lot of things that were marketed in the design world, like furniture and, I don't know, hand basins and stuff, if it was European, it sort of had this cachet. And New Zealand was a bit culturally cringy at that point too. Not... I don't know if that translates. Do you know what I mean by cultural cringe? Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Lord of the Rings hadn't come out yet, so yeah, no, it hadn't come out. We hadn't had the Hobbit Pride, no. um, <laughs> but there was a bit of that too, and it and I, it just sort of stuck for student projects, and I used it for this sort of fake foundry and doing some, you know, fonts for that, and my friends convinced me to keep it, and so Klim Type Foundry it was, and that was it. Here we Wonderful. are, and here we are. Yeah. So awesome. then, can I ask about letterheads? The Letterheads Limited. So the Letterheads Limited is the official, is the registered business name. And uh. that is, well, Clem's just doing, like, Letterheads Limited doing business as. As Clem. As right. Clint. Yeah. Uh, because I'm too lazy to register Clem as a, but who cares about that? But the, letter, <laughs> <laughs> but the Letterheads Limited came about uh, after design school. It was, I couldn't really get a job. And I, my then girlfriend and our wife moved to Nelson, another city. And so I followed her down there because it seemed ridiculous to end a relationship because of geography. 
And then I got a job as a sign writer in Nelson at a place called Signs and Graphics. It was vinyl sign writing, computer stuff. It wasn't hand-painted anything. Then went back to Wellington and there were no jobs. I was virtually unemployable. Like, I think now of myself at that age, if I came to me for a job, I'd be like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, get out. You're just rubbish mate get out and stop talking about milk exactly stop <laughs> talking about milk nobody understands what's a font so my friend uh gus and i we had no jobs and no clients and no money so we decided to start a design business called the letterheads limited and we went around sort of cold calling effectively trying to get work and we got some jobs and did a little bit there's still actually there's a website with all the old work up i just don't have the heart to pull it down Got to the point where there's enough money for one of us, and so Gus dropped out. And I, about that stage, uh, Fijal was released, and I got my first royalty check and realised that it was a viable <laughs> kind of business and sort of slowly transitioned into being a full-time typeface designer. So it seems like, you know, there's a period of time there of five years from when you graduated in 2003 yeah. and then you know so five years later you're you know you're working with Christian Swartz and Eric Speakman yeah I mean that's that's a pretty amazing five years there Con- considering someone who couldn't get a job <laughs> didn't feel like it at the time really nah it didn't no it didn't feel amazing at the time because it's it's a lot of days of worrying about money and is this going to work? And uh, just, yeah, pretty broke for a lot of that. And that happened because I was pretty active on a website called typeophile.com, which eventually turned to shit. But it was quite good. There was a lot of people in the type design and typography community would come and sort of help each other and you know, give advice and critique and things like that. And I think Christians saw my work there, some early stuff. And it ended up sort of, I did a bit of jobbing work for Christian and Eric have worked together for years and years and years. And they had Metaserif and Unit Slab projects on the go. And so Eric was art directing and Christian and I were doing the drawing. And I never sort of worked with Eric directly, but it was always through Christian. And yeah, so that's how that worked. It just kind of, it sort of happened and it was, it was really good. They're big paying jobs. I knew it would be good to have my name attached and to be associated with Eric and Christian. And so, you know, to get your name in the font font catalogue was like, you know, it's a, you know, Meta Serif. It, it was one of those things that was basically, like Meta is a pretty iconic typeface. And to do the Serif version of it was just like, fuck. <laughs> I couldn't even really believe it, that it was happening. So at the time you felt that it was, it was a big turning point? Mm, yeah, I guess so. Like it seemed... It seemed very serious. Yeah, it seemed very serious, you know, because I'm being paid by Eric to draw some fonts for him, you know. It seemed real. And it was serious. And I learned a lot from Christian, too, about how to sort of produce and think about a typeface family, sort of technically and aesthetically as a whole. It was a good sort of learning process and a really good um, uh, sort of, I suppose, for exposure as well. And it was paid well because Eric pays his people pretty well. But like up until that point, it was I don't really I don't know why um, Christian asked me to do. I think him and Eric had been kicking it around for years, and it never really sort of solidified. And that just sort of one of those things that just happened. I think 
So what, what's next? How many how many fonts are you working on at the moment? Still got like 20 things that you're juggling at once. Do you have yeah. a big announcement to... Um, how, know, ma- how many fonts on? is there now? That what? How families? Many? Yeah. Oh, I don't know how many families, but there's... I've almost clocked 500 individual fonts. Wow. Wow. God, man. I keep a list. Because, <laughs> 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 like, oh, yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah. Uh, but this year we've got... Should have four releases coming up. Wow! Well, this is exciting. That's big for a year, yeah. That's a, is that more than normal? Yeah, that's more than normal. I'm uh, excited. Pretty excited too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Like, but it's mainly mostly exciting because of um, like the fonts for me. Like I've been sitting on them. Like they've been finished for ages, and for me that like at the end of a of a project, it's not really exciting anymore for me. It's really yeah. you know it's like at the end of a project you can't see. The wood for the trees. You can't see. You, you've forgotten what's good about it because you've spent so long looking yeah. at it, and you're just sick of it. And it's basically that for me. And that's why the fonts and use is good, because after about a year or so, you start yeah. seeing these projects roll yeah. back in. It's like, oh, that's. It sort of gives it a life, and it gives it. You've had time, and you can see its qualities for what it is. You've set your baby free. Set my baby free. <laughs> Kicked it out of the nest. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it has a life of its own, but. Yeah. But now that we're working with Alt and have a you know a proper strategy and they mm. come up with campaigns, like it's really, it's really good to see, it take on an, it's sort of another life mm. almost immediately. We've got a pretty pretty big project, or continuation of the National Two stuff, in the middle of this year, which is still in the. I can't really say much. I'll tell you when we're off here. How about that? <laughs> Sweet. So well, we, we, we can tweet about it then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll feed that to, to Chris Doyle and just get him to... Critique it. Critique an idea that hasn't happened yet. That'd be good. <laughs> if yes. anyone could do it. That's probably a good place to put a pin in this. Yeah. Where, where can people find out more about you and not... Well, actually, I'm, this is where I normally... Plug. Well, say someone else with the same name as you and, and kind of make a joke of it, but there's actually, we couldn't find anyone with the same name as you. So Chris Sowersby. Yeah. I think there's like one other dude. Oh, really? What's he do? Fuck knows. <laughs> 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 He's on Facebook. I, when, I, when I was on Facebook, I Googled it. There should be another one somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> Don't know what he's up to, eh? Where can people find out more about you? Klim.co.nz is, base, is where it's all at. Any social media? Yeah, Twitter. At Klim Type Foundry, Instagram, at Klim Type Foundry, probably some underscores in there. Uh, I've got a Tumblr too, where I've been putting, it's designed by Sons and Co. And that's where I've been putting up work in progress. I don't usually show a lot of work in progress. They sort of put up yeah. work in progress and little sketches and things just to sort of float them out there to see what happens. It's basically where I put my screenshots. You know when you take a lot of screenshots and you go through your folder and you're like, oh, wow, what was that? And there's some quite abstract stuff. So I take a lot of screenshots and share those with friends. So I chuck that up too. Oh, on Pinterest too. On the pinners, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All over the side. Everything except Facebook, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Wise move. Uh, you can find me pretty much at Josie Young on everything, Twitter and Instagram. Matthew... I'm not on anything. You know anything? Okay, cool. You can find me on pretty much everything at Flynn Tracy. And you can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud at ausdesignradio. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Chris. Thank, Thank you, Jason. you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Wonderful. Wonderful.